Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Houston Element Podcast. My name is Missy, and I'm your host. And today, I have the lovely pleasure to introduce a new artist of a different genre you have yet to hear on our podcast, the artist known as Silo Surgic. What's up? Glad to be here. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going great, going great. Just glad for this opportunity, you know? Yeah, man, me too, man. Especially just debuting your new album that just came out, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hail the Gods of Synth and Noise. It's been a passion project of mine for a long time, and I'm really glad to finally get it out there and make my statement. That's wonderful, man. So can you tell us how you started with getting into music as your passion and your career? Sure. So... I've always been very musically inclined. I remember listening to rock and metal albums as young as like four or five years old. And um, I just always loved music as far as I can remember. Now, I didn't start playing any instruments until sixth grade uh, when I picked up the trumpet. Now, I played the trumpet for about six to seven years and even went to college for it, even marched a summer of drum corps back in 2016. Well, I got a little disillusioned with the trumpet, like... It wasn't really my thing as much anymore. And I started moving on to keyboards and synthesizers and that sort of thing because I was really, really getting into electronic music. And over time, it just sort of evolved into this project that I have now, Silosurgic, just making music that I love that I really want the world to hear. And it's been really fun uh, so far. And I just, I, this album that I've made, it's, it's awesome. I really, really, really am excited to finally have it released. That's excellent, man. That's excellent, man. So what is the inspiration behind your name and doing the style of music that you enjoy? <laughs> That's a good question. So I, I, I make really, really psychedelic music. It's often very like mind warping and trippy, lots of phasers and flanger effects. Like it's all over the place and out of this world sounding. Well, the name Silosurgic is actually a play on words. Silo, that part comes from psilocybin mushrooms. And surgic comes from lysergic acid diethylamine, which is also the chemical name for LSD, acid. So combine the two, you got silosurgic. And I think that fits the theme of my music very well. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I appreciate that, you know, you're helping, you know, not, not, maybe not inadvertently, you know, or excuse me, maybe not advertedly or intentionally, mm-hmm. but you're kind of giving, you know, another meaning to the phrase of psychedelics. It's not mm-hmm. just related to people in the 70s losing their mind it's about music feeling oh yeah 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 i don't like by all means i don't want this to just be like drug music or anything i don't want to focus on like that side of the psychedelic experience but rather the the sense of infinity that you feel the the feeling as if your mind can go in any direction as you want it to and just that feeling of pure infinite transcendence and i try to capture that feeling in my music Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I get that listening to it. And I listened to <laughs> to one of the songs that you released uh, earlier on before your album released. And I was like, all right. All right. This, this cat's going places. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, I really trying to do something new, something that no one has really heard before, just combining all my influences into one cool, unique sound. And I think I did that re- really well on that song. Nothing to worry about. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And so you released your debut album, Hail the Gods of Synth and Noise, on Mm -hmm. August 5th that just passed, Mm -hmm. which is now available to stream on all major platforms. 
So can you tell how you got started in creating this album? How was the process? So um, I started uh, this album probably about three to four years ago when I got my first synthesizer. It started off with just me experimenting with random loops and sequences and just trying to put them together and make something. As far as the the first song uh, for Hail the Gods of Synth and Noise that I wrote, that was nothing to worry about. I had a demo version of that song written as much as three and a half years ago, recorded and over time, I started making more demos and more ideas, and that um, soon I called my I got my friend involved named Paul, and he he's actually someone that I marched with in drum corps back in summer 2016. He was another trumpet player with me. We we soon I soon um, called him and we worked together, and he basically acted as my engineer and co-producer for actually getting this album into fruition. So we basically took all the demo ideas that I had like worked on them and put and um, made them full entire songs. And we even wrote a couple of songs uh, together during that process too. That started from nothing, just some ideas I had written down on paper. And he helped me bring those ideas into full, their full potential. And I'm extremely thankful for him for that. Excellent. And like you said, you played multiple instruments, including the trumpet. So you had ear training from an early start. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was really good in oral skills and uh, sight reading in, um, back when I was a music student at U of H. And that's just something that always came very, very naturally to me, as, as well as harmonies, chord progressions, uh, especially the Western style of it. And yeah, it's, it's really good to have that musical backbone when creating music, you know. Uh, yeah, and especially with your kind of genre that you're creating, it's not you just it's not just follow like a verse and a bridge and a, and the final mm-hmm. verse and a chorus. You you're yeah. composing it. Yeah, yeah. That I, I'm really glad you bring that up because so many traditional electronic artists and really artists in general, they have like very conventional structures to their music, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool and whatnot. But it, my style of music is more based on growth, evolution, like growing from one point to another point to where it's like a completely different song, but you don't even know how that change happened because it happened over such a long period of time. That's why I'm really influenced by artists such as um, Boris, um, Emeralds, Swans, Boards of Canada, a lot of uh, Glenn Breka's work from the 70s and 80s, um, Merzbo, Tangerine Dream. A lot of these artists, what they do, they, they focus on not necessarily a strict form, but rather them giving the music character and letting it grow and evolve into different forms over time through repetition, through development, and it not never really having like one specific part here and there, but rather the whole music just being a stream of growth and evolution. Wow. Wow. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That was a great depiction, man. That was amazing. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And so you also created your album cover for your debut album. So what was the inspiration behind that? And how long did that take? Oh, the album artwork. Yeah, um, I started that back in uh, winter 2018, I believe. I remember I got some paper and I was really into drawing at the time. I was using Pigma Micron pens and it originally started with just a little doodle on this piece of paper. But as I got more and more into it, I started thinking, you know what? I'm going to fill this entire page as much as I can. And this is going to be my album artwork. So I went off and on for about two years, two years. It took me to finish this drawing. Now, 
it wasn't working on it every single day uh, for two years straight. Now, I had some phases for like maybe a month or two here and there where I wasn't really working on it. But overall, from beginning to end, it was about winter 2018 to about, I want to say, um, January-ish 2021. So a little more than two years, actually. And But yeah, it really just started as a doodle, and I just wanted to fill up the entire page of it. And mind you, it's 12 inches by 12 inches paper. So that wow. that's that's a really big piece of paper yeah. considering the detail that I got on it. Wow. But yeah, I it, I saw it as a challenge and as a hurdle to overcome and I stuck through it to the end and now it's my uh, album artwork. <laughs> uh, yeah, now now it's it's history because like now it's forever going to be etched in history as that album cover mm-hmm. and that artwork and that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got to tip my hat off to you, though, man, because I know that those you have so much fine detail and so much <laughs> animation in there, mm-hmm. but it all is cohesive. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. so how did you how did you get started? Did you start from like bottom to top or you went from the middle and just expanded it out? Yeah, I started in the middle. Like, so if you look on the artwork, there's basically like a monster looking thing on the left and another monster in the middle and they're sort of like facing each other. So I started in the middle of that one monster on the right, like in the middle, you will see like in the middle of the artwork, there's like a little spiral design with some eyes on it. That's the part that I started on. And then I completed that first monster and then I just expanded outwards. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, started in the middle and just expanded outwards from that, the center point. Wow. Well, I, not to sound biased to anyone else out there, but I'm a really big fan of abstract art and visionary mm-hmm. art. So I really took, took you know, a lot <laughs> liking to that, you know? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I, like I said, I can appreciate all the work and the detail that you put into it. And that is, it, it explains the album without yeah. explaining the album. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, just, I just want it to be a total mind fuck i mean really i just want it to be like something that blows your mind looking at it something that you'll see a difference in it every time you look at it and it never looks the same every time so and i think i achieved that rather well (laughs) yeah yeah i'll I'll say because i mean i have add like nobody's business so so it would take me a lot longer than two years oh you're you're talking to the the epitome of ADHD energy. I got <laughs> I got so much manic energy all the time that like I mean that's why I'm able to even able to draw something like that. <laughs> wow, very very talented man, very talented. So what is it about synth trance experimental genres of that nature that made you uh, feel like that would be the best representation of your type of music to fans? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I've always loved synthesizers. I've always loved the the capabilities of those instruments and. There's just something about electronic sounds and having like long pads and long, like you said, trancey like sounds. It creates this sort of hypnotic meditative state inside of me. And I just want to create that state for other people through the use of electronic synthesizers and droning like music. And it's my favorite type of music. I've always loved drone ever since I can remember too. like I've. I just love the the idea of something being constant and unchanging over time and just your mind forming all sorts of pictures inside of your head while listening to that. It, it truly is a meditative, psychedelic state that expands your mind when listening to it. And I just, I've always loved that type of music. And 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, it's almost like I'm listening to a painting because that yes. painting can be interpreted in so many different mm-hmm. ways. And without those boundaries of the structure mm-hmm. and the lyrics, you can really just get lost in it. Yeah. It, it creates a very personalized listening experience because like you said, it it's like a picture that changes every time, but none of those pictures that you see in your head are exactly wrong. Like there's no wrong interpretation or way to listen to this music per se. Like what you get out of it is what you get out of it. And it's authentic no matter what. And that's okay. However you look at it, that's the beauty of it. Oh yeah. There is no wrong answer. There is no wrong answer. And good luck trying to quote those lyrics and saying that it was personal to you. <laughs> I'd be like, um, no, that chord progression, excuse me. Okay. Now that harmony. Yeah. That's, Pretty much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so your music doesn't have, like we said, the traditional lyrics per se, but instead a wide variety of vocal excerpt and samples accompanied mm-hmm. by the trance synth drone mm-hmm. experimentals. Uh, excuse me, ex- instrumentals. I, mm-hmm. I promise I, I can read. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so how long did you take for you to make the arrangement for the album? So um, getting the samples in the field recordings, that was quite an undertaking. That Because that's not something... A lot of those samples and recordings, they were very spontaneous in how I got them. Like, for instance, on the song Light of the Morning Star, the samples you hear throughout that song, it's basically a conversation that I had with this random man outside of a concert who is really, really, really strange. And he was talking all very cryptically and very just almost in riddles. And I pulled out my phone while I was having that conversation and just recorded it because I knew it would be really cool stuff. (laughs) And I clipped out a bunch of parts of it, put it in the song. And I just love how I was able to do that, create like something from like your own real life experience, like a a true field recording from like your day-to-day life and able to make music out of that. There's just nothing more beautiful than that. And I also use movie samples and just some cryptic samples from, um, Um, Like, for instance, on Atlantean Dream, the sample that you hear on that song is actually taken from a lecture given by the occultist and 33-degree Freemason from the 1900s named Manly P. Hall. And he talks about Atlantis in that excerpt. And also on Nothing to Worry About, those are samples taken from uh, the Jonestown Massacre. So it adds a new definition to that song. Is there really nothing to worry about or is there everything to worry about? That's the juxtaposition that I create using those samples. I thought I recognized that voice in that sample. I was like, is that is that the guy from, from the Jones Massacre? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, oh man, yeah. Oh man. Ooh. Yeah. Gave me goosebumps. But I mean, it was so well done. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank it, you. It, it was it didn't give me morbid um feeling and not because the mm-hmm. part that you used from him, I can't remember the exact quote, but I know it was from the the final mm-hmm. incident of mm-hmm. that thing. And I mean, it mm-hmm. just, it just gets you to the core, man. Yeah, it really does. Wow. <laughs> and so with your musical background and your love of synth and drone, so you understand chord progression, you know, sheet music, things like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, jazz musicians, I'm going to come for you a little bit. What kind of por- chord progressions do you really enjoy when doing the uh, combination, excuse me, the, 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 the creating and the writing of your music. Yeah, sure. So I like to use very simple chord progressions and have that serve as like a structure for the song and have stuff basically revolved around that chord change. Like, for instance, 
two songs on my album, Nothing to Worry About and Space Prayer. That's essentially just two chords repeating over and over and over again, but with so much other musical elements added to it that it it just grows on you. It stays hypnotic to you. It, it's it really, really like cuts through you because when you repeat it so much over time, but also have stuff adding along with it, growing with it and evolving with it, it's never boring. Even though again, it's just two notes repeating. I, th I take real. I take a lot of influence from uh, the band Spaceman Three in mm -hmm. that regard, mm -hmm. and also from the band Suicide. Mm -hmm. They both of those bands always had uh, this sort of um, philosophy of like the simpler the better. Like minimal is maximal. Like the more minimalist you get, the more maximalist your results can be. Mm -hmm. And I really try to take that ethos and that philosophy when I do my own songwriting. Like. The more minimal it is, the more potential there is to turn it into something huge. Wow. And I like that you have that mindset because that's really incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, my my music knowledge is not nearly as, you know, experienced as yourself. But I remember my guitar teacher telling me when we we're taking classic guitar, you know these basic chords, you can be <laughs> a rock star. Just go ahead. Go make a lot of money. You got it. <laughs> and it's like, but to me, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, how can you take those same chords and make it like fresh juice? Well, mm -hmm. this man right here will tell you all about it. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's incredible. And so you mentioned some of the artists that you were inspired by, Tangerine Dream and mm -hmm. Boris, who mm -hmm. I'm familiar with those two, especially. Mm -hmm. So what other kind of mediums or artists that, uh, not just musicians, do you take inspiration to help you with your music? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, those, the bands I've mentioned already, everywhere from Boris to Emeralds, Tangerine Dream, Spaceman 3, Suicide, lots of bands that I take musical influence from. But I also take influence from a lot of the cinema that I view as well. Like, for instance, um, I sample Apocalypse Now on one of my songs, and I also sample the film Dead Man in one of my songs. And both of those are like some of my all-time favorite movies ever. Like, I take just as much influence from cinema as I'd say I do from music. And I think it's really important for every artist to have as many different sources of creative inspiration as they possibly can. Not only music, but also film, also literature, philosophy, like fine art. There's so many, like, Influ creative inspiration is everywhere if you're willing to look. And most of the time it's in like the places you'd least expect. Like for instance, that conversation I had with the guy outside of the concert. Like that's just one example of how like, if you're really, really looking for it and you know where to look, creativity is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And I have to just say that I'm just so impressed with how you can, like you said, use the minimalist things to make it something so gargantuan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even though it's a simple foundation, it has everything that you could possibly love and appreciate all in mm -hmm. one without being, you know, too busy. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> And so you recently graduated early this year from San Jack with your audio engineering technology degree. Did you have a background in audio engineering before studying in college or did you have formal training that helped you creating your album? Yeah, so um, I started working at my church actually doing sound, video and all the um, audio and video logistics stuff for the services. I started that back in uh, March of 2017. So I've been doing that now for more than five years, and that's where I got a lot of my knowledge on live sound, especially like how all of that works and how to like the basic parts of a PA. And 
I also had a lot of help from my audio engineering uh, class because that really, um, what's the word? It really honed in like the technical and specifics and like all of the terms that I needed to know and like all of the, what's what's it called? Uh, it's escaping me right now. The theory? Yeah, the theory behind mm-hmm. everything, how all of it works. And it's helped me become a better musician. It's helped me understand on a fundamental level how sound works, scientifically speaking, and how you can even use the properties of sound itself sometimes as inspirations for music making. Like I said, inspiration is everywhere. Wonderful. And so you have your formal training from school and from real world experiences and Mm -hmm. things. So these are both have helped you in in not just being as a musician, but also as an engineer as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the education was important, but the experience is so much more important. I'd say like, I I mean, I also interned in a studio mm-hmm. when I was at San Jack as part of the internship program. And actually not even, not one, but two studios, actually. Mm-hmm. Lab 45 Studios in Houston and also uh, Wire Road Studios. Excellent. And Excellent. Um, those two experiences alone really, really helped with understanding how music is recorded on a professional scale, like how the business behind it works. And uh, that was also extremely helpful because... All of my music making, mind you, has just been in a bedroom. Like we're literally making music on a laptop and a basic interface and just doing the best we can, making the best we can out of our limitations. But I'd argue those limitations are why I'm able to do what I do. You need those limitations to create results. That part. Okay. I know this is an audio track, but highlight that. Okay. (laughs) That if you take nothing away, take that away. Please. Thank you. (laughs) And so you worked with a music producer, Paul Ross, a.k.a. Tiberius. Excuse Mm -hmm. me if I said that wrong for this album. And have you worked together before? And what made you decide to collaborate with this particular producer for this project? Yeah, um, that's so like I mentioned earlier, we marched drum chord together back in 2016. We were both trumpet players and we we kept in contact ever since. And um, I remember we started talking about music one day, like a like a year or two ago. And um, I don't really know how the conversation got to this, but I've, I, he told me he was a producer and he records music and I decided, screw it. Let's, let's see if we can work together. And he was living in Austin at the time. And I drove all the way there with all of my gear and we ended up writing uh, or recording two songs together while we were there. And that basically cemented for me that this guy, he understands what I'm doing. He knows what I'm doing. And he's like, the only person that I can trust to really, really bring this vision to its 100% potential. And he definitely helped me with that 100%. And I can, I'm forever grateful for all of the help he gave me on this album. I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as easy as black and white or putting pen to paper to find somebody that you can meet artistically with on the same page, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's so difficult to find someone that you just vibe with. And with Paul, it's just, we just vibe together. We, we just understood each other on an unspoken level. And that's what made us able to make this thing. Excellent. What would you say was some of the most important criteria about working with him? Not just because of his artistic, you know, ability, but mm-hmm. on a personal level, what do you think was important criteria for you to know that this is the guy that I can trust with this kind of project? Um, what I loved was that he was very 
able to translate my ideas into the computer very well because sometimes I would just be like, okay, I want to do this, this, and that, and then add this and that, and it's like, okay, but how do you do that? He was able to actually do that and even improvise along the way and like help suggest ideas uh, to me to make the project better so that because sometimes I would get in the uh, bad habit of like, not knowing how, what I really want to do with this song, not knowing how to continue onwards, make it better. And he would like keep me going, like maybe suggest ideas. And then we would keep going. Like he, 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 he was not only recording my album, but also helping me like make my ideas more clear. He, he gave me someone to relay off of, which was so important. Very much so, very much so. I mean, it like we are engineers and we think sometimes so we're just going to be in our sound booth behind our console, not talking to nobody, but that's mm. not true. Oh yeah, like it's complete. It's completely different to engineer an album versus to write and record it yourself. Like it, it really is a completely different mindset that you have to have. And he helped me do that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And uh, so you kind of answer this a little bit, but did you take part and take any part in the recording or engineering for this album? And were there any specific elements or to tools that you chose to use on individual tracks for the album? Yeah, so um, I did a little bit of engineering. I'd say like I did maybe 25 to 30% of all, all the engineering on this album myself. Because like I said, uh, some of these songs were already demo recordings that I, I had already recorded on past occasions. And we just uh, made them a little better, mixed them a little bit better, and maybe added a couple elements to it. So I'd say about three or four of the songs, I engineered like the the skeleton for them. And then Paul helped me with editing them and mastering them. And he mastered all of the songs themselves. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. So is there any kind of specific like synthesizers or plugins that you really like to use for bringing your oh, music yeah. forward? Oh there, yeah, there, there's several. So the synthesizers I used, I used the Roland JDXI uh it's an analog digital crossover synthesizer. It has a sequencer built into it. It's a really good go-to cheap synthesizer for what it is. Um, I also used uh, the Arturia Mind Freak. That's actually a touchpad synthesizer, which makes it really good for just jamming ideas and getting them recorded really easily. And um, there's, there's a very specific plugin I use to help with making my songs have that very massive sound. And it's this uh, it's this reverb de uh, delay chorus plugin called Valhalla Supermassive, and it has like a bunch of different echo effects and plugins, or not plugins, echo effects on it that help with creating all sorts of really nuanced reverb tones. And I use that a lot on my album to, like I said, get that huge sound. Oh, excellent, excellent, man! And I mean, it's incredible that you're. It's interesting to hear your method of the using reverb on this type of particular genre of music, you know? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're well, to the untrained eye, we're so used to hearing reverb from like a vocal. Yeah. But with these kind of you know elements that you're using, that reverb just gives a whole different vibe oh, and yeah. taste. Oh. It, it like makes it sound like it's underwater, but in outer space at the same time. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's so good, yeah. so good. <laughs> And so you mentioned on your Instagram page that you have a limited CD sale available for purchase. Mm -hmm, and where can mm -hmm. fans go get a copy of this limited sale? So um, the CDs aren't in yet. They're still in production. But once they are in production, I'll make an announcement and they will be for sale on Bandcamp.com on my Bandcamp page. And they will be uh, limited to 50 each and they, and they will all be priced at $9.99. 
Oh, excellent. I can't wait to get my copy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just just for you young cats that you are living to the iTunes digital age, CDs is the best quality. Okay. <laughs> you can download if you want to. I understand it's convenient, but get that CD because the quality is so good. And there's just something to say about actually having the physical media in your hands. Oh, yes. Nothing beats that in my yes. opinion. And you can get a much more compact version of his album art, not mm -hmm. the whole 12 by 12, if you get the CD too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so before you released your debut album, you worked with a film director. I'm going to try to say this in German, Julius Kuhl. I probably said that <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Uh, I can't get that right. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that umlaut. Okay. But Julius Kugel, and in English we'll say Julius Kugel, mm -hmm. in writing the score for the short film Last Man. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that project and how you came to be a collaborator? Yeah, um, I've known Julius for a really long time. He's a good friend of mine, and he approached me uh, about a year and a half ago about doing this short film together because we've always really vibed on an artistic level, loved a lot of the same things, the same movies, the same music, et cetera, et cetera. And um, the film itself, it was based on... Um, basically the philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche and where we both talked about Nietzsche a lot <laughs> when back and forth and um, so it was just really cool being able to be a part of something that I actually believed in and that I was actually really proud of and thought was super cool rather than just being hired for something that I, my heart wasn't in so I'm, I'm really happy about that I'm hopeful to work with him again we'll just have to see I have to say that I was very impressed with the production value overall of everything. Mm -hmm. And I especially liked, you know, that you didn't do your traditional tracks like you have on your album, but it was a music score mm -hmm. with still that same kind of flavor. To yeah, it. like it gave me a, a good opportunity to flex my musical chops, so to speak, and do something different, something that was actually a challenge, you know? Oh, for a challenge, you blew it out of the water, friend. <laughs> My goodness. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so was there a different technique in making the arrangement for the score versus a traditional track? Yeah. So um, so for, for reference, my album, we made almost entirely on Ableton. This uh, uh, musical score, though, I made on Pro Tools. And what we did was we... Uh, he gave me the final video, like the final cut of it. And then since... Uh, Pro Tools has this function. I was able to add the video into the doll itself, and I basically just composed along with it. So it's like one long 10 to 11 minute long track, essentially. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, I, I have my experience with my editing my 30 minute podcast, but how was it doing your uh, score composition production? Like, did it take you a few hours or were you <laughs> oh, just yeah, like... That, that took me a couple of weeks, honestly. Like it... Um, I was really working under limitations. Like I don't have a lot of MIDI plugins. Um, like I mentioned, I only have two synthesizers. So I was really, really using everything I had and just tried to work outside of the box to come up with something cool and original. And you succeeded, friend. You <laughs> succeeded. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to know, to tell the difference if you were using a, you know, 48 channel console fancy mm -hmm. mixer to just a small interface because it was very well done. <laughs> Thank you. That that really means a lot to me. <laughs> no, man. No, no, thank you, man. Because y'all as artists, you know, as composers, I mean, anybody can, I don't want to say just anybody, but it's easy to just go and read lyrics and or read music and play it. But to compose and perform it is mm -hmm. a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining us today, man. 
Thank yeah, thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Uh, it's really awesome to be able to talk about my album like this. Oh mm-hmm. man, I, I and it was great to to learn to hear from somebody with your background too. You know, because mm-hmm. we've had some rappers, we had some rock stars now. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have someone from a different genre to give a new fresh perspective. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, do you have any last little bit of advice for the listeners? Follow your heart. No matter what you do, follow your heart and do what you love. Even if you're not making money doing it at at the time, do what you love, follow your heart, and everything will fall into place. It just depends on how much you love what you want to do and how much you're, how dedicated you are to doing that. But if you're dedicated and you love what you're doing, do it and do it with 100% of your being and you will not regret it in the long run. That part, okay. There's a there's a lot of gold in this episode, okay? So I need y'all to, to mine <laughs> it out, okay? Do yourself a favor, okay? Take it to the bank, cash it, because it is precious. <laughs> and shout out to the Lab 45 and Wire Roads Studios for giving opportunity to folks like us to be, become better engineers, better production experts. We love you. We appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. Go ahead and check out the album Hail the Gods of Synth and Noise, which is now available to stream everywhere and be on the lookout for those album sales. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.